Hello and welcome to the Red Nets podcast, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. Joining us today for our morning chat as ever is Steve Carson and Rick Elliott and of course myself, Farrell Keeling. So following our midweek victory in the Champions League, Jurgen Klopp's Reds returned to Premier League action and secured three points against Patrick Vieira's new look Crystal Palace outfit. A somewhat tough one it has to be said, but Klopp did make a number of changes to the side that was fielded against AC Milan. Three goals, resulting from set pieces, a debut for Ibrahim Okonate, and Mane's 100th goal for Liverpool. What did you make of it all, Rick? Um, I mean, Klopp wasn't lying when he said that it was a, it was a hard-fought 3-0. Like, it, it was just like, it felt as though, it, if you hadn't seen the score and you just watched the match play out, it, it felt like it was a fairly sort of... Like, it could have been like a, a two two all kind of match. I mean, like Palace came out of the blocks flying. And they could have easily been two nil up within like five ten minutes. It was you know they had a a free kick uh, leading to Allison sort of like palming it onto the post. Um, Sahar hit the post uh, at close range, and it, it, the ball could have gone either side of the post. Like luckily, it went out for a, uh, I think yeah for a goal kick. But uh, yeah, it was. It, it, the Liverpool stuck, like settled into the game. Uh, like you know, Jota had a, a close range miss. Mane came. Uh, Mane had a cross to Henderson, which uh, was a bit of a, like a difficult angle, and you know it was a bit of a block shot. Uh, you know, we had uh, Mane getting his hundredth goal. It's not the the most you know beautiful looking goal that he's ever scored in his life. Uh, it was probably one of the easier ones, but that. Doesn't matter. He's got his like 100th goal now, uh, which is like you know he's, it was a, a Costas corner, bullet header from uh, from Mo, and just sort of Mane was in the right position to to get the rebound. So that's uh, you know that's great. Uh, he's he's scored against the same opponent now for like the ninth time in a row, which is like a new Premier League record. Uh, so like you know at this point, Palace must be just sick to the back teeth of him. Um, but you know he. he can't be doing that sort of like you know well it's, i just yeah he's, he's he's one of those kind of players that i think i mean we, last week we were, we were already saying about how um underrated mo salaries um if, if mo salary is underrated the money is like ridiculously underrated uh and just yeah i think he's just one of those kind of players that i will definitely miss if he were were to leave no, absolutely, and it was great to see him um, get that get that achievement, a well deserved achievement, it has to be said for all his contributions to the club. And Crystal Palace were undeniably tough, tough opposition. I think historically that has been the case. You know, we've had some magnificent wins against them. We've had some tough, tough results. Steve, what did you make of it all? Did you like what you saw from Patrick Vieira's outfit? Were they as as tough an opponent as you expected, or more? I actually didn't watch the game live. Uh, I listened to it on Radio City. Um, so that's a bit of a shame, but I have watched the extended highlights. And yeah, I mean, like you say, Palace have always been a difficult outfit to face. Uh, and under Patrick Vieira, you know, quite an inexperienced uh, manager at the minute, they do look like a very solid attacking threat. Um, but like is the case with many Premier League teams, certainly we've seen this season, the likes of Leeds, the likes of Newcastle, the defence is lacking a little bit. And obviously Liverpool, relentless as we are, exploited that. Salah and Mane, both on the score sheets. You know, you, you can't really complain. Obviously, like Rick said, the opening stages of Palace could have easily been 2-0 off. Um, 
thankfully we held it together um and we turned it around and and yeah i mean by the sound of things and as i say from the extent of the highlights that i watched um it does seem as if the three nil scoreline is a little bit flattering but and that being said the scoreline in the champions league against ac milan three two is probably a little bit flattering to milan so these things happen it's three more points in the bag and we go again you can't complain you can't complain and returning to uh, the scorers of the match, Nani and Salah. I'm just going to hit you with a stats blast here. This, fair warning, there's going to be a few of these. Um, but that, those 100 goals for Liverpool puts them now on level with Kevin Keegan, the all-time top goal scorers list. Roughly 10, 10% of his goals scored against Palace, as Rick pointed out. Um, interestingly, he's eight behind Barnes, 18 behind Ian St. John, um, which raises a question, I suppose. Where, where does Mane stack up against the all-time Liverpool greats and, and indeed against his immediate competition in Mo Salah. Uh, Rick, I'm going to go to you with this one. Um, I mean, like I said, like last week we were saying Mo's underrated. Like, if that's the case, without repeating myself, you know, this is obviously the case as well uh, for Sadio, but like, I feel like he's, uh, he's, Sadio just, when, when, when Mo came in, like he was kind of overshadowed by the, the hype. Uh, it doesn't help that like there's the online presence of the Egyptian fans sort of getting behind Mo, and so like you know Sadio just hasn't got that behind him, but he still manages to 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 keep up with Mo, um, and they're they're often like you know it, to the to the betterment of of each other. Uh, the the fact that they are both pushing each other means that they both get more out of themselves than. Than what they're the individually capable of. If they were just the sole man in that team, uh, I mean, like last season, it, it Mane just sort of dropped off a little bit. I think we can all agree. But I mean, he's on course right now to bag seventeen goals, just over seventeen goals this season. If like you know XG and all that plays in, uh, how it how it you know could and should work out. I mean, I mean I'm not. I love XG as a stat, but like, you know, sometimes it's like well, 17 goals. He might hit that. He might hit more. Who knows? It's, it's, it's only five games into the season. Um, so that's still there to change. But I mean, like, people love Fernando Torres. And I, I definitely feel like uh, Sadio is, is sort of like on that level. Um, but because there isn't like a Torres esque, like the Torres bounce equivalent for Sadio, there's no gracias mate Nike advert. There's like, you know, there's this sort of, there's no PR behind him. He's just this sort of like quiet, like he reminds me a little bit of N'Golo Kante in terms but like a little bit slight more arrogance in terms of like, he's very quiet, timid, shy, uh, you know, has great smile. Um, but like, you know, he's like in that sense of like personality, kind of kind of keeps himself to himself, doesn't make a big deal out of it. He's not appearing on the cover of every magazine like Mo is, for example. Uh, he just gets the job done, but to a, a slightly lesser level. But still, it's a ridiculously high level, and I don't think we should forget that. No, absolutely. I think, you know, and the stats do to a certain degree reflect how overshadowed he is to a certain, to a certain extent by Salah. You know, obviously, Mane has been at the club a year longer. You know, he's made... 209 appearances compared to, sorry, 224 appearances compared to uh, Salah's 209. Scored 100 and, 
um, yeah, 100 goals compared to Salah's 130. But then, interestingly, if you remove the penalties Salah has scored, Salah's only got 113 goals for Liverpool compared to Sadio's 100, which isn't as big a gap as perhaps some might have anticipated. And in light of that, Steve, you know, would you... Would you agree that the Sadio is somewhat underrated? You know, that he is to a degree sort of overshadowed by Salah's accomplishments? Yeah, I think that's nail on the head right there. I think if we didn't have Salah and instead, with all due respect, if we had Shakiri over the last few years playing on that wing, he'd have been capable enough, decent enough player. But if Mane was on the other wing, Shakiri's on the opposite side where Salah couldn't is, and Salah's still in Roma or Juventus, or he's, you know, he's made a move somewhere else. Um, Mane would be the main man. No doubt, no doubt in my mind. Um, that's not to say that it's, it's a problem, of course. It's a fantastic problem that you've got two world-class wingers and one is slightly better, you know, kind of takes the shine a little bit more. Yeah, Sadio Mane is one of the best players we've had. Uh, I was going to say in the Premier League, but I'm, I'm going to say ever. Um, I didn't realise he was so close to Saints numbers, to be honest with you. And Saints is obviously regarded as one of the best strikers we've ever had. And Sadio Mane primarily plays as a winger and he's, he's, he's posting numbers getting really close to such a legend of the club and yeah he is overshadowed by Mo you know slightly um, but yeah I, I think I think Liverpool fans do recognise the, the talent that he is uh, and any, any naysayers um, probably need to go and uh, actually watch a few more games of Sadio it's, it's like just to, to, to pick on that point is it's so the, with the word, uh, the way that football is now, with the, the the Premier League is such a big spectacle. It's almost as if you need a PR team to sort of break through the noise. And like back in the day, you didn't necessarily have that. You had like just teams that were just like you know L- the Liverpool teams of yore were just sort of that spectacular. That like you know you you like St John just sort of like encapsulates everything and like, gets the plaudits that he deserves. But like. Now that you've got every week, you've got your your uh, your, your your Mo on the same team, there's Salah on the same team. You've got Ronaldo at Man United. You've got like you know Lukaku at Chelsea. You've got like pretty much like every team has got like a a big player that they're all sort of. It just there's that much noise that there can only be so many sort of standouts. And like you say, it's. like if if there was no Salah, then Mane would definitely have such a bigger impact. But like because he's overshadowed, it just he needs basically he needs a better PR team. <laughs> it's a, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? I think as Steve pointed out, yeah. it, it's a I mean it's not necessarily a problem. It's it's it you know we, we've got we have such a wonderful forward line. You know we, we're incredibly fortunate to have not you know I mean anything would be fortunate just to have either one of Sadio Mane. Or Mohamed Salah in their side, you know, w- w- without the other, you know, we had both. We, <laughs> it, it's it's a bonkers situation, and we're extremely fortunate to have them at the club. And whilst we're riding this wave of positivity, um, I want to move on to another man, uh, in particular Ibrahim Konate, who enjoyed his debut in a red shirt for us at Anfield. Um, was part of that backline that had that sort of shaky start in sort of the opening ten or so minutes, um, but. Uh, I'm going to just regale you with some, again, some statistics here. Uh, so, Canate stats, three tackles out of three, all made. One interception, three clearances, two blocked shots. Uh, two out of three aerial challenges, one. One foul, 88% pass completion rate, six balls, six long balls made, three of them successful. Van Dijk, 
two out of two tackles, one interception, five clearances, two block shots, all of his seven aerial challenges won, no fouls, an 89% pass completion rate, and of course, the assist for Salah's goal. Relatively similar in those stats, relatively, I should say, being the operative word. But um, what did you make of that debut, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I thought he was pretty solid from what I saw of him. Like, um, you know, playing alongside Van Dijk, you know, that in itself is obviously he played last season next to Meccano, but obviously Van Dijk, best centre back in the world. It's going to be a little bit nerve wracking. Obviously, he's been training with him, but it's his first proper game. It's, it's always going to be this, this nervous situation. And, and he looked solid. And the thing that really stood out to me, and you touched on it there in your statistics, was his sort of distribution. Sort of the way he built out from the back, the way he completed those passes, it, it, it's actually, I, I didn't see the stats before, and uh, it, it, it's alarming that he was actually as close to Van Dyke. He said there was one percent in it there. Um, that's very impressive, and it's very important that we've got that sort of ball playing centre half. And to think that watching Conate and, and how well he played, I think he's you know, arguably fourth choice. You know, you've got Van Dyke, Matthew Gomez, he, he's fourth choice, yeah. Yeah, he's an outstanding talent, considering his age as well. It's very exciting. I like I like the idea of uh, of him getting some games. I I would love to see him maybe get another game against Norwich, but I think he might get under arrest. He might see Nashville's back. But yeah, outstanding talent. Very excited to see what he's going to do in the next few years. A lot of potential there has to be said, and obviously as things stand, I think he would would absolutely be our fourth choice. Potentially, you know, we'd be a second choice in the long term. But has that performance changed your mind at all, Rick? You know, do you believe that it should be higher up in that ordering? Listen, I, I think we've signed a brick wall here. Like, he's like, I mean, like, he's, he has the pace to go shoulder to shoulder with Zaha in the box uh, without giving, a, giving away a penalty. Uh, he's got the strength to to be pressuring Benteke into a force uh, or to forcing the shot wide. Uh, like that happens sort of like the twenty sixth minute. Like he's he's got everything that you you need, and it's just exciting to see where a player like that kind of fits into the squad. It's like it's there's obviously future planning in there because, like you say, he is like fourth choice. But I mean, like I can easily see him sort of like over the course of the season slowly just sort of coming up the ranks to third, maybe even second choice. Like, it's, uh, you know, I can see us phasing out Matip, uh, despite how well he's done this season. Um, like, you know, his, his body just cannot take a full season like that. He needs sort of some rest time, uh, needs to be rotated a little bit more. So, like, you know, will, it, will Klopp be phasing out Matip? I mean, we've, we, we haven't seen where Gomez really sits this season. He's barely got a sniff in. And when he has, it's, it's been okay. Um, but I wouldn't say he's, he's necessarily set the world on fire. Um, so, like, you know, there's a lot of questions going forward. And it's just like, I mean, it's a good problem to have. You know, it's, it's like the forward situation where we were saying about, like, you know, Sadio and, and Salah and, you know, you've got Jota as well. Like, it's, it, it's a good problem to have in terms of like, you know, we've got this really great talent and I'm glad we've managed to, to, to lock him down. It's just, I can't see him getting that many games straight, straight away, but like, you know, with like what's happened with, with Robertson, Fabinho, where it's just sort of like Klopp will just work away with him in training. And then like, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if Matip got a major injury and then all of a sudden, bam, 
it's the Canate show from here on out. A selection dilemma there for Klopp, as Rick's rightly pointed out, and a perfect problem to have compared to the injury crisis we had last season. But it's not obviously... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's obviously, unfortunately, not all good news, I'm afraid, uh, as uh, Thiago Alcantara was substituted in the second half uh, with a calf injury and replaced by Naby Keita, of course. Uh, According to Pep Linders in his uh, pre-Norwich preview... It looks like he'll definitely be out for the cup game, uh, potentially as well for our league meeting with Brentford. Um, Hopefully not longer. I think we're still awaiting uh, scans on that. But in the meantime, obviously, we'd expect Klopp to have probably rested in against Norwich. So looking ahead a little bit further to Brentford, who would you like to see come in uh, for Thiago? Who should come in? Who deserves to come in? Steve, I'm going to go to you first with this one. Yes, it's Jones. I want to see KSS Jones thrown into the mix. I think the one against against Brentford, with all due respect, they're playing you know quite well this season. But you know, it it, it you know it, they're not Chelsea. So if we were to get it right with the holding mid, bring in you know Fabinho to start against them, I think the other two midfield roles can you could probably just put in most players. To be honest with you, that we've got in our team, there's not really that much of a drop off. I mean, obviously Jones is the inexperienced one. I like him, you know what I mean? I, I back him all the way. He backs himself all the way. Um, Alec Oxlade-Chamberlain as well, good player. He could definitely do a job for us there. Obviously, Jordan Anderson, the captain, naturally. You know, Thiago's out, so not in, but usually him. Keita, I think you put any of these players in and they'll do a job for us, especially against a team like Brentford. But yeah, um, yeah, Fabinho as the anchor, I'd like to see that, naturally. That's, that's the best. Best option we've got there. I neglect to mention James Milner as well. Obviously, he's, he's shown uh, he's still got it as well this season. Um, yeah, I think the midfield trio I'd like to see is the Fabinho, uh, Henderson, and then Jesus Jones in a bit more of a fluid role in that sort of left midfield spot. Would you agree with that, Rick? Curtis Jones' uh, choice? So, so the, where I sort of like, for the, for the Norwich game specifically, I can't see Fabinho playing, if I'm being honest. Like, I'd... I, I think we're more likely to see Henderson or someone like that play in that holding uh, position, which would, you know, uh, Jones, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. But I just, uh, Fabinho is, is it, I, I think this is like the match to sort of give him a rest. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of uh, opportunity for rotation in, in these cup games. So I just don't see why you would necessarily play him, especially when you've got like more important, because uh, I mean, Klopp, Hates Carabao Cup, so I mean, like, I wouldn't, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if we, if it's like almost ninety percent full rotation uh, for that game. But I mean, I know we're going to probably talk about that later. But I, I just, I, I just want to bring up the point that, like, you know, uh, Thiago's had a, a difficult time at Liverpool. I mean, like, he, he comes into the squad, gets COVID pretty much straight away, gets injured. Uh, the same like, versus Everton in the same match that Van Dyke goes out for. Um, you know, he's 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 finally showing us like just how great he actually is on a weekly basis, and then boom, he's he's sidelined sidelined for a few weeks. So, I, I you know ha- injuries happen in football, it's especially when you like hit your peak and, and it's slightly beyond that. Uh, but it's just it's unfortunate like this this he's finally had like a fairly long run of games and all of a sudden it's just like yep and you're out for two weeks or more who knows no absolutely absolutely i mean it has to be said it's unfortunate to have seen 
uh, Tiago go out with injury, but on the whole, to have come out from that, those three games, including the midweek Champions League with three out of three um, wins, is pretty impressive. Um, wasn't impressive for everyone, though. Uh, Gary Neville, of course, had to offer his uh, contributions <laughs> um, and suggested that I've actually got the exact quotes here from the former Manchester United defender. And he said, at this moment in time, I do not believe Liverpool, no, sorry, I do believe Liverpool aren't the team they were a few years ago, even though they are very, very good. It's not quite the squad of a few years ago. Interesting comment. Um, I don't know if you lads have seen, but a, a Reddit user, presumably a Liverpool fan, um, compared our results thus far against corresponding fixtures last term. And we're actually eight points better off from these fixtures. We're three points better off overall at the same stage last season uh, before Virgil van Dijk's injury, of course, and uh, the general injury crisis. But, you know, have we got backwards? Is, is there any element of truth into this? Or is it just sort of Manchester United-esque bias sort of being expressed here? Uh, Steve, I'm going to go to you first this one. And he's a weapon, isn't he, Gary? Um, <laughs> something wrong with him. I don't know how you watch the current Liverpool side and say anything other than good things. I mean, yeah, you know, we were gravy a few years ago, but as stands, I think, something like the last 20 games, we've won, like, a ridiculous amount of them. And it's just, nah, he's, he's chatting out of his backside. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you could argue that Bobby Firmino hasn't got the star power that he used to. You know, he's fell off a little bit, but we've got Diogo Jota now. It's it's an option uh, that we've got off the bench. You know, certainly he's played some games in Firmino's place and has looked, you know, good. He's a very good player uh, and he's only going to get better as well, which is fantastic news for us. Um, our wingers are still on fire. Um, Mane had a Bad season last last season, of course, but he wasn't alone. A good a good number of players in the Premier League did not enjoy a good a good term, and you know, we've we obviously we've lost Vinaldum, bit of a bit more of a physical presence in midfield, you know, a bit bit more of a Fabinho type in terms of how he recovers the ball and recycles it, which is different to what we've got now with Thiago. But we we it that's pretty much like for like you could even argue maybe Thiago is better than than Vinaldum, and I say that as a, as a big a big fan of Vinaldum over the last few years. I, I have no idea what Gary Neville's uh, watched to get that conclusion because at the minute, the two best teams in the league are quite clearly um, Chelsea and Liverpool. As time goes on, you know, we'll probably see continued success from Cristiano Ronaldo FC and um, Man City. No doubt in a few weeks they'll start coming back as well. But no, Gary, Gary Neville's just... At this point, I feel like he's, he's, he's delving into talk sport territory and he's starting to just say things to rile people up, to just get, get them talking, maybe even just Jamie Carragher talking. Oh, he's certainly sure to get Carragher talking about this, but I first want to get uh, Rick's point of view on the matter. I mean, what, what do you make of this? Because earlier in the season, he was banging on about how he felt uh, Manchester United would be superior to Liverpool this season as things stand. We're level of other points, but we're ahead by goal difference. We've mm-hmm. arguably objectively been the superior side what do you make of it rick i mean yeah like you you touched on it they say that you don't look at the table until at least five games in so we're now five games in and we're joint top of the table like you say with the team that most would consider to be favorites uh and then we held them to a draw which albeit the when uh, we really should have won that game as soon as it went down to 10 men 
if you'd have said at the beginning of the match, it's going to be, you know, you're going to get a point out of this. I think everyone would have snapped your hand off for that point. Um, you know, at the, at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, everyone is sort of like saying that Chelsea are the, are the team to beat. But I mean, we're, we're still sort of there. We're still in the conversation. We're still in the race. Um, yeah, we, we, there was a stat that was said on the uh, on the, uh, the the match that I was watching. Um, that was uh, on the on the stream that I was watching, saying that we're unbeaten in ninety two games when we've scored in the first half, which means we're seeing out games, we're grinding down the opposition, we're tiring them out, and that's the kind of stuff that you want to see from a title challenging team. Like I, I yeah, like Steve says, I don't know which which Liverpool he's been watching because the one I'm seeing, yeah, I, to go over, like, I mean, as Steve said, like we've lost Genie, we've lost Shaq, we've lost Lalana, we've lost Degsy, and we've replaced them with Thiago, who's been silky in midfield. We've got we've gained Jota, who's been a surprise hit. We've we've signed Kanate, who, based on this last match and a little bit we've seen in preseason, he seems to be like the real deal in defense and is definitely future planning. So there is, you know, an eye on where this team will be going. Uh, and yeah, and then we've also signed Elliot in that sort of period. And I mean, apart from stealing my heart, he's also sort of blown the, the league away with just how talented he is at such a young age. Um, I don't think we've gone backwards. Uh, the signings we've made have mostly been improvements. You know, maybe Tacky has sort of, you know, not really shone as, as much as we were hoping he would. Uh, he's definitely sort of like squad filler at this point. I don't think of Klopp fully trusts him, but you know, he's still got the season, maybe the Norwich match to sort of prove himself in, in this, uh, in this squad, uh, sort of nailed down, maybe a, a starting position going at Brentford. But I mean, you know, when you look at the opposition, you've got hundred million being spent on Grealish and City just ignore an FFP. Like it doesn't exist because to them, it doesn't, uh, the rules don't apply to them. Lukaku, uh, banging in goals. Uh, but he's, he's not sort of, a very good at forward planning in his play. He sort of like just runs into the box and just is over reliant on his strength to sort of get him to his destination and putting the ball in the back of the net. And then you've got United who have like, you know, they've signed Ronaldo purely for like him moving was purely an ego hit. Like, you know, I don't, I don't care what anyone else says. It's an ego hit um, for uh, after, you know, Messi made all the headlines. It's like, you know, kind of had to sort of do something to get that the PR boost and, you know, stroke the old ego, but it also keeps the, the green and gold crowd happy. But at the same time, it's, you know, that there's still issues bubbling under at Man United. So I don't see why he can sit, that Gary Neville can sit there and, and be like, you know, Liverpool aren't doing great, United are doing better when, you know, they've still got issues in midfield. You know, I... I I hope that Ronaldo doesn't get any penalties like Salah, um, you know, because I mean, they've had United have so many soft penalties over the years that like, I think it's finally about time that they struggle to get some, uh, which would, you know, definitely hamper any sort of title challenge, uh, especially after like, you know, how Fernandez has just pretty much scored one goal a game with a penalty last season. I hope that like Ronaldo sort of financially buries United because it's such a sort of, silly move to make to go in for him just sort of for the PR of it yeah okay fine they've got a few t-shirts being sold but I mean that's not going to be uh, once the initial rush is over 
it's not going to be what they what I think it's going to be in terms of like a signing for them. So like I just I don't think Gary Neville can sit there on his high horse when closer to home, closer to heart. United have still got a lot of issues that they need to sort. No, absolutely. I think you've both sort of prospectively hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, Steve, you've obviously pointed out, you know, if, if we were going to be pedantic, we could probably point to Bobo Firmino's form. But then, you know, Rick, you, you said we, we signed Joe and Thiago, both of, who had spells on the sidelines for considerable proportions of the last season. You know, we hate to use that uh, dreaded term like new signings, but the reality is we've yet to, to really see this team in its current form reach its full potential. And I think that's an objective position to take. Um, but time will tell, of course. In the meantime, we've got Norwich City in the EFL Cup. Um, Rick, you've alluded to their earlier Klopp not particularly liking um, that the league, competi- league Cup competition. But then Pep and Linders have obviously come down in his presser and he said, well, this is a, a veritable sort of gold mine for Liverpool in terms of developing new talents. Um, I'm just going to start with you and just you know, what, 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 do you make, what do you make of this competition? Because obviously we've not won it since 2012, uh, since uh, Kenny Dalglish's uh, reign. Um, and as you've both rightly pointed out, it's been used to test the metal of young upcoming stars, give sort of the second string a bit of a run out. You know, what, what kind of, what, what, what are you expecting to see from this game? You know, who would you, who would you like to see beyond sort of the likes of Curtis Jones come on? What youngsters are you excited to see? I mean, it's, it's a competition that shouldn't exist, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, we are where we are. And, it, and like you say, it helps develop the youth. Um, but that's only if we can stay in the competition long enough to have a decent run. Because uh, there's no point in playing them for one game and we get knocked out in the first, get, uh, first round and then that's it. You know, it's all, it's all over and done with. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to see uh, Nico Williams um, sort of establish himself as a backup because, you know, we, we saw Milner in that last game and he's just sort of like, yeah, he's, he's, he's nailed it. He's, he's, he's sort of been, a, it was a phenomenal performance. Obviously, they, they do training for like, you know, sort of emergency training for if, if, if uh, Trent is out. But that's only for like, if it's a, a one-off, you can't rely on Milner being there all the time. So Williams really needs to sort of establish himself. Otherwise, it'll be a backup right back that we'll be worrying about. I mean, it took us long enough to, uh, to get tacky, not tacky, um, uh, Costas. Why did I say tacky? Uh, it took us long enough to sort of get uh, Costas and get him up to scratch. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, we, we need Nico to be sort of showing signs of like he's, if he's capable or not. Uh, we need that sooner rather than later. I'd love to see Nat Phillips back in action. I'd uh, like to see if he's still got it. Um, otherwise, who knows, it might be that he's uh, heading out on loan in, in January or maybe even, you know, a full like a selling, uh, especially if Canate can sort of show that he's, he's actually capable like he has, like he has done. Um, you know, Katie Gordon, I, I'd, I'd like to see him. I mean, he was great in preseason. I'd like to see him get a, a few minutes. Um, you know, Tacky, like I've mentioned, he needs to, uh, to prove that he's, he, he can break it into the first team and sort of establish a, 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 at least a, a role off the bench because at the moment he's, he's not really sort of doing an awful lot uh, apart from pick up a paycheck. Uh, Ox, you know, seeing him in his new role, more of that, please. Uh, 
Mizalowski, I think like I I I'd, I'd love to see him make a cameo at the end of the game, but I think he's he's recently played at the weekend, so I think that might be a little bit too soon for him in terms of the sports science side of things. And I also think it might be a little bit too soon for him from a um you know development point of view. I think throw him in into a first team game, even though it is Carabao Cup, it might just be a little bit too soon for him. But you know he's it, that's a, a talent that's there and, and definitely one to to look out for for the future. And just overall, I just I even though he no longer plays for us, I really hope that the away fans sort of can can throw out the Ozan Kabak song because like he's never heard it in person from a crowd. So even though it says for Liverpool, like in the in the lyrics, just just hearing that from him, I mean, like uh, just a, a, a sign of respect of thank you for the job that you did for those six months. Yeah, sorry that it didn't end out the way that we all thought it would, but yeah, you know, so I just I think there's a lot to see in this Norwich City game. Even though it's uh, you know one that most people are going to dismiss because, like I said, it's a competition that I don't think many people care about. Um, but it's just yeah, uh, it's definitely one to watch for uh, an eye to the future of where things might go. But yeah, you know, I, I it's it's one of those games that. Eh. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I think it'd, it'd be lovely to see Ocean hear that song just once, just the one time, just the once, <laughs> just the one time. <laughs> you know, I think he he deserves it. To definitely deserve it. But um, speaking of who would sort of expect to see start, um, obviously Clyde Gordon was withdrawn from the squad, which certainly suggests that uh, he's in line for that. Um, a player that we've sort of all been sort of keeping an eye on. Steve, you wrote an article on this on this morning. Oakley, uh, Cannonier, uh, nine goals in five games at the under-18s, two hat-tricks. Again, played at the weekend, so probability says we might not see him uh, up against Norwich. But who are you expecting to see? Who would you like to see? Who's sort of excited you within a squad, within the current sort of senior squad in the sort of under-18s that you, you think deserves a run out? Yeah, Cannonier would be would be quite an interesting chance. I think maybe he, he lacks sort of the physicality that you'd need against the Premier League side in the EFL club. If we'd have got maybe a team in League 2, potentially. Um, saying that, though, um, in that game, against the, the, they played at the weekend, um, a few days ago, um, Liverpool's under 18s took on Crystal Palace under 18s. Cannonier was up against a big fella like the, the captain of uh, Crystal Palace's team. He looked about six foot six, which is which is crazy. Huge. So he's so he's, he's got he's got Champions League experience though. So you know, bro. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. I mean, talking about that team, like you say, Gordon was absent, which means yeah, you could maybe see. Uh, Gordon come in, but another player who's absent as well, and not a lot of people have been talking about too much, is yeah, Connor Bradley. Um, now, Nico Williams, obviously, is returning from injury. Um, I think if Nico is not 100%, I think Connor Bradley could sneak in and, and get a game. Um, obviously, we are talking about Premier League opposition. It could be throwing him in the deep end a little bit, but you know, Klopp has shown before that he, he believes in the young players and he's willing to give them a chance. And Harvey Ali is the biggest testament of that, obviously. Bit of a different kettle of fish, but we are talking about a player who bossed it in the championship for the full season. But you know, Connor Bradley could come in, play a game. He's played for Northern Ireland. You know, he, he he's shown that he can play at you know, relatively speaking, the top level. Uh, Kelleher, um, I think Kelleher coming in. It's already been confirmed by Linders that um, Kelleher will play. I'd like to see him get a clean sheet, um, really cement his uh, place as uh, Allison's backup. I think. Pretty much already safe for these Alistair's back up. But to further cement it, love Adrian, you know, the things that he's done for the club. Obviously, 
maybe not the player we signed. He sort of regressed slightly over the last couple of years. But you know, yeah, fair choice, great fair choice, probably the, probably one of the best third choice in the league. Um, but yeah, further up the field, like I say, Curtis Jones would love to see him involved. Um, like Rick said, Oxley Chamberlain coming and attacking with Amino would love to see them get get at some games. Kay Gordon, of course, of course. Um, don't know about um, Musialowski, but I, I think um, I always butchered his name. His name's like um, Frauenhof, the German lad who, who plays on mm. the wing for the under 18s. Obviously, he played at the weekend, so we're very unlikely to see him, but yeah, he's looking very special. Kananir, obviously, is getting the goals, but. He's playing no small part of the other 18s this season. I would like to see him get some uh, minutes. Maybe if we progress in the League Cup and we get uh, a League One side, League Two side, with all due respect, you know, maybe we can sort of lower a little bit and bring in players um, like that. And just on uh, Kabak, um, yeah, if, if he plays, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the away support to actually start singing the song themselves. No, it should be an exciting fixture. Connor Bradley actually is a... An interesting one. I think memory serves right. He's one, one of those that performed quite well in the pre-season. So it'd be nice to see him get a run out as well against uh, Norwich City in the Cup. But to wrap it up there, um, I would go, go with your predicted 11s and scores. Steve, while you're on a roll, I'm going to start with you. The 11. Um, I wrote an article this morning, but my, my opinion has changed slightly on the youngsters. Um, I said Milner would start at right back, but I think I changed my mind and I put Milner in midfield. But yeah, I think Kelleher in goal, um, as confirmed already. Um, I think right back, Connor Bradley, unless Nico is fit enough, in which case he rightfully should be the the, the right back of the game. I think um, Nat Phillips and probably Gomez. I'd say Nat Phillips and Gomez, maybe Joe Matty, but I'd probably get a rest for Matty then at this point. So Bonate and Gomez, left back, Timikas, I feel, keep that momentum going for him, give Robbo another chance to have a rest, which is something he really gets. Um, midfield, I think that the reason, you know, Nico or Bradley at right back is to put James Milner sort of in that kind of like physical role in midfield. And then alongside him, I'd like to see Curtis Jones. Um, difficult to say Jordan Henderson might play when you sort of put James Milner in that position, but I'm going to say Oxley Chamberlain in the midfield. Um, and then up front, uh, Minamino, uh, Jota and uh, Arigi. But I think there's a good shout for Gordon to start, but I feel like he might come off the bench. Rick, I'm going to throw the same to you. Your predicted uh, I, 11 I'm, first. I think a fairly similar starting, starting 11 to, to Steve there. Um, I think it's too soon for Milner, especially after you know the shift that he put in at the weekend. He's not the spring chicken that he used to be. Yeah, he can do the lactate test. For miles and miles and miles, but like you know, it just I, just I I don't I think this is a game too soon. If it was the if it, this was at the weekend, then yeah, sure. But I think uh, it's it's a bit soon to be throwing Milner in at midfield. Uh, yeah, so so Henderson in there, um, and you know what I I just I don't know. I I really I mean. Yeah, no, nah, I can't. I can't think who who should. I, I all I know is that I just don't think that Milner is 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 ready to to go again. I think he's is bless him. He's, he's just a bit, you know, he's getting on a bit now. He needs to, you know, have a bit of a bit of a rest between matches. Um, but yeah, I I I, I wish I'd have put more thoughts into this before. 
before you threw that question at me. Yeah, I, 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 I it's just, it's definitely very similar. Maybe just like a, a few tweaks here and there. Another round of changes, it's fair to say. And Rick, while I've yeah. got you, what score are you going for? Uh, I'm going to go two one. Uh, I, I think that the defense is just a little bit like whatever permutation it'll be. It's just a little bit too raw to to keep a clean sheet. Um, but I don't think that we'll necessarily struggle. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I just don't think there'll be a, a clean sheet, unfortunately. And what, what do you reckon, Steve? Could you see the same? Maybe a potential for more goals here? Yeah, I think I think I think there's going to be quite a few uh, players looking to catch the eye. Um, I'm going to go a little bit bold and say four two to Liverpool. Like Rick, I don't see a uh, I don't see a clean sheet happening. With all due respect to Kelleher. And that might not necessarily be his fault, to be perfectly honest with you. There's going to be some new names in the team. Norwich are probably going to put out something closer to their starting eleven than we are. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I'm going to go with four. So what do you think, Val? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I could see there being goals. You know, you've got the... I think this, this is the beautiful part. You've got the setup there where the players know, you know, if they perform well, they catch the eye, they're going to get given... A chance, and certainly for you know, much in the same way as sort of Harvey Elliott caught the eye. You'd think there's an opportunity there for Kylie Gordon to sort of you know make his mark, you know, potentially put himself into clock thoughts. So I'm I'm going to go with a three-one, oh, a three-one score. I I I just like I feel like my 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 two goals is is like kind of a little bit on the conservative side. I, I you know. I think they'll will definitely end up with the win. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, when you end up with these kind of games where everything is just sort of rotation without much sort of like, I mean, I, I, to give credit, going back to the to the uh, the weekend's game against Palace, like you know, we had a fairly thrown together defensive setup uh, with with Milner in there, um, Costas as well, like you know, and. and and we still sort of managed to to walk away with that, but that the, the big difference there is that you you have Van Dyke. Uh, that that's that's the big difference, if you know what I mean. It's it's still a fairly makeshift, but you've still got a lot of talent there, which you don't necessarily get when you're throwing in youth players with not much game time or experience. Um, and before before we go, uh, I just want to say hello to to Mo Salah, who's obviously listening to the show uh, because he heard my washboard abs comment from last week. And so decided to get them out again in the what was it seventy eighth minute of the of the Palace game. So you know I, I, we've obviously got a, a, a Mo listening. So hi Mo, and uh, thank you for that uh, that last finalised comment to Mo Salah. Um, yeah, we'll be hoping for a sort of a positive result in the cup, maybe an extended cup run. Who knows? Um, but for now, thank you for joining uh, Steve, Rick, and myself on the Red Nets podcast, and be sure to catch us next week where we'll be taking a look at the Brentford time. Bye for now.